How are you at keeping secrets? You're good at keeping it so-so? It can be so hard when we have a little juicy thing that we find out and, and we want to tell someone, we want to tell a lot of people, and yet for whatever reason, we're told you've got to keep this a secret. Uh, about a month ago, Karen and I were told that we're going to be grandparents. And we're so excited. And then our daughter, Sarah, said, but you've got to keep it a secret. You've got to keep it a secret until we've had time to, you know, go visit the doctor and make sure everything's progressing uh, well. And, and I, my wife's not here, so this is really unfair. She's down with the kids. Uh, just to say that one of us kept the secret better than the other. <laughs> I'll let you figure out which one that was. And please don't throw me under the bus after church with my wife. We have been working our way through the, the Gospel of Mark, and as we have, there's a theme that has kind of gently bubbled to the surface, and I have yet to draw any attention to it. Uh, theologians call this theme the Messianic Secret. The Messianic Secret, which is simply the secret that Jesus is Lord. Uh, as we've been reading through Mark, the oddest thing has been happening. Jesus will perform a miracle, an amazing miracle, and then he'll tell the person who say he, he heals, shh, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone what I've done. Don't tell anyone what you've seen. And he did this over and over again as if he didn't want people to know who he was, that he was, in fact, the Messiah, the messianic secret. Well, today, we've reached the point in Mark where that all changes. From today, it goes from shh to shout it on the mountains. Go tell it on the mountains. Today, we come to the story of Bartimaeus. Join me as we pray for the reading of God's word. Lord, we thank you for your word, uh, which is our rule. We thank you for your spirit, who is our guide. And Lord, we pray that your glory would be our chief ambition. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be pleasing to you. We pray this in your name. Amen. We're reading at Mark chapter 10, verse 46. They came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. 
Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. Jericho, they came to Jericho. This is the same Jericho that uh, if you have a child in Sunshine Choir or Treasure Seekers, they were learning about this last week. The same Jericho where Joshua led the Israelites in and they circled the city seven times and they played their trumpets and they let out a loud shout and the walls came a-tumbling down. And after that, Jericho laid in ruins for years. And then finally, Herod the Great determined to rebuild the city. And he made a palace in Jericho. Jesus has been slowly making his journey towards Jerusalem. And now they've arrived, arrived at Jericho. They are only 15 miles away. 15 miles north of Jerusalem. This is a, a long day's walk. Now here's what's going to happen at Jerusalem. Jesus has told his disciples three times that when we get to Jerusalem, I'm going to be killed. In fact, he just told them that. Earlier in the same chapter, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, who will spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Jesus couldn't have been any more explicit with the disciples about what was waiting for him in Jerusalem, and yet the disciples didn't get it. A humiliating death is not what they were envisioning when they followed Jesus. And now they're only 15 miles away. One more day, one more long day of walking, and they're going to arrive. Now, they're not the only ones going to Jerusalem. It is the, the Feast of Passover. This is one of three Jewish feasts where pilgrims would, would make their trek to Jerusalem, to the temple, to, to worship, to make sacrifices. And so they're part of this large crowd that is leaving Jericho on their way to Jerusalem. And just as they're leaving the city, there's a blind man who heard that Jesus is passing by. His name's Bartimaeus. He spent his days by the side of the road begging every single day, begging for the charity of a few good people to, to drop a couple of coins mercil, mercifully into his cup. He's heard the rumors about Jesus. He's heard that, that this is someone who's healed other people, other people who are blind. And so he recognizes, this is my opportunity, and he shouts out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And at first, those words just get lost in the shuffle of the crowd, but I, I'm quite convinced that Jesus heard them. I believe that God always hears the, the faintest whisper of faith. But Bartimaeus shouts louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And it's becoming annoying. So annoying that many people rebuke him and they tell him, Bartimaeus, be quiet. Be quiet, Bartimaeus. Just kind of accept your lot in life. Sit by the side of the road. Collect your few coins 
Try not to be such a nuisance. Make yourself invisible, and all will be well. The words were harsh. Be quiet. The heart behind the words was even harsher. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Basically, what the crowd is telling Bartimaeus, it stinks to be you. It stinks to be you, Bartimaeus. How ironic that these are all pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem to celebrate, to remember how God delivered them. How God delivered their ancestors from captivity in Egypt. They're going to celebrate their freedom, their release from captivity, and on the way they tell Bartimaeus, who wants his own freedom, who wants his own deliverance, be quiet. I thought about that uh, as it pertains to me and as as it pertains to us, and I think the temptation for us is strong to continue to do that. After we are saved, after we are delivered, after we're set free and and we've received such amazing grace and amazing mercy, it is so easy and tempting to turn a blind eye to the next person in need of salvation, in need of healing. The, The classic example of this is the Titanic. When the Titanic sank, there were 20 lifeboats. And many people were were fortunate enough to have a seat in that lifeboat. But a bunch of those lifeboats rowed away only half full while there were people treading in the water. How can that be? How could people who have been saved, who were going to die, been saved, convince themselves it is okay now to row away from these other people who were just like me treading in the water while we have empty seats? The test of our faith, James writes, the test of our religion is how he describes it, is that God our Father accepts the religion that is pure and faultless, and it is this, to look after orphans, to look after widows in their distress, the hungry, the thirsty, the sick, the poor, the immigrant, the homeless, the Bartimaeuses of the world. It is so good to be part of the Jesus Parade. Here's this Jesus Parade on the way to Jerusalem. It is so good to be part of the Jesus Parade, but we need to recognize that the parade always stops for hitchhikers. This is a parade that makes regular stops, and if you want to be in a parade that doesn't stop, that just kind of puts on the blinders and does your own thing, you've got to find another parade. That's not the Jesus Parade. The words Bartimaeus chose to shout out were very precise. Son of David. God had told David many years earlier that one of his descendants was going to establish an eternal throne, that he would reign forever. Bartimaeus is using these words that are saying, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for. It's almost as if Bartimaeus was present when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, your son's going to be called great. He's going to be the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. 
and he will reign forever over the house of Jacob. His kingdom will never end. Bartimaeus, the blind beggar on the side of the road, has clearer sight than many of the people that were part of that parade who had no idea who it was they were marching next to. So Jesus stopped. Jesus always stops. And he said, call him. So they called the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you, throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Moments earlier, these same people were telling Bartimaeus, be quiet. And now, having been rebuked by Jesus, they're saying, cheer up. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Those words, on your feet, the word literally means arise. This is a hint of the resurrection. This is Bartimaeus' resurrection story. This is his death-to-life story, his I once was blind, but now I see story. Arise, Bartimaeus. And he couldn't get to Jesus fast enough. He throws his cloak aside. Remember we just read about the rich man who was told that he needed to throw his cloak aside, his things aside, and he couldn't do it. And he walked away from Jesus sad. But now Bartimaeus, he leaves it all behind, and he's just determined, I've got to get to Jesus. And he gets there, and Jesus asks him the most obvious question ever, what do you want me to do for you? Really, Jesus? You see the state I'm in? What do you want me to do for you? We just skipped over the passage immediately before this, and in that passage, James and John approach Jesus with a question, and he says to them this same thing, what do you want me to do for you, James and John? And James and John say, we want to sit at your right hand and at your left hand in glory. They want glory, and they're not ashamed to ask for it. Jesus, we want glory. And now Bartimaeus, who every day asks for a few coins, is asked by Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? Fill up my cup? No. Jesus, I want to see. What was the purpose of this question? The purpose is to elicit faith, to provoke faith. For Bartimaeus to answer that question implied that I believe you can do this. I'm coming to you because I'm shouting as loud as I can because I believe you're the one who can actually speak into my existence and do something unimaginable. And so, imagine today Jesus is sitting next to you and he turns to you and says, what do you want me to do for you? What's your answer? As I was thinking about that, I, I think the, the sad thing, at least for me, is sometimes I don't have an answer. Because this is not something we need to imagine. Every single day, we have the opportunity to come before our Lord, and he greets us with the question, what do you want me to do for you today? And, and he's, you know, he's eager to ask that. He's eager to be our God. And so, so we ought to have this opportunity to give him an answer, and that answer is a sign of faith. If we never ask for anything, it's maybe because we don't ever believe for anything. We don't have enough faith to think that God can actually reach into my life and make a change. So he asked, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Unlike the previous miracle, Jesus had just healed a blind man, and he told him, 
Don't tell anyone. Don't let anyone know what I just did. Keep it quiet. But now to Bartimaeus, he says, go. Your faith has healed you. So where did Bartimaeus go? Well, it says he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. Bartimaeus is now part of the parade that is, hap that is on its way to, to Jerusalem, which makes me a little suspicious. Because the very next story is the one that we, we read every Palm Sunday. Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a, on a donkey, people laying down palm branches and shouts, shouts of Hosanna, shouts of, shouts of blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. I don't know this, but I have a suspicion that the lead cheerleader is none other than Bartimaeus himself. He had just been shouting on the side of the road, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Told to be quiet. No, he's shouting louder. And now he's part of the parade. It's coming into Jerusalem and everybody's shouting. And I see Bartimaeus at the front of the line leading this cheer. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And now there's other people who are saying, be quiet. The Pharisees, to Jesus, tell your disciples to be quiet. And Jesus says, no, if they're quiet, the very rocks are going to cry out. I'm going to close with one more observation about this story. There's two roads in this story, two different roads. In the beginning, Bartimaeus is sitting beside the side of the road, and he's begging. The Greek word for road is the word hadas. I'm probably pronouncing that miscorrectly. Uh, wrong, but it, we'll go with it. Hadas. So Bartimaeus is sitting beside the, the Hadas, and he shouts out to Jesus. Jesus calls him and heals him, and then where does Bartimaeus go? He follows Jesus on the road, on the, the Hadas. Jesus once said to his disciples, I am the Hadas. I am the road. What we pronounce, or what we translate, I am the way. But it's the same word. I am the road. I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. In Rome, they built the roads in such a way that they had the saying, all roads lead to Rome, because they did. All roads led to Rome. We sometimes take that same thinking and apply it to our faith. All roads lead to the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter what road you're on, just pick a road. And if you follow it long enough, and if you're earnest enough and sincere enough, eventually you'll get to the kingdom of God. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the hadas. I am the road. And so the question for us is, what road are we on? What road are you on? Are you on the, the road of the world, doing things your way, trying to be earnest and sincere and just confident that this road's going to get you to where you want to go? Or have you heard Jesus say, I am the road. I'm the hadas. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. As a church, one of the reasons that we exist is because God has given us a mission. We have been given the mission to 
for the parade to stop, looking all the time for, for who else might we invite to join the parade or to change the metaphor to join the lifeboat because there's still empty seats. There's more seats in the lifeboat and God desires that all would be saved. Join me as we pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you that there is a lifeboat. Lord, we don't deserve it. Our sins merit judgment and condemnation. But Lord, in your mercy, you have sent your son. Lord, you, we thank you for the gift of our salvation, the gift of amazing grace that we've sung about. Lord, we pray that we would be people who would regularly stop, not put the blinders on, but stop and then invite others to, to climb aboard. Lord, we thank you for your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.